Before we have a word of prayer, I got to say one thing. Um, I am a son of the Baptist tradition, and I thought we were the only ones that got up and sat down so much. So it was, <laughs> I felt at home. <laughs> uh, before, uh, maybe I'll have a word of prayer. Lord God, master and absolute ruler, we, your children, come before your throne of grace, mercy, glory, power, and favor just to say thank you. We thank you for breath of life. We thank you for shelter, love, peace, joy, and happiness. Lead us, guide us, direct us. Now, Lord God, I ask that you suppress me and exalt yourself through me that I might share your word, that hearts might be pricked, we grow closer and closer to you, that lives may be changed, that we apply your word, not only in these sanctuary walls, but in the streets, in the highways, in the byways. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, I was a bit nervous as I came in today, uh, mainly because I've never done a Thanksgiving Day service. Um, many times I am still laying around in the bed uh, after a long night of watching something, some type of a movie, which I did last night, which was Ray, Don Ray Donovan, which is a great Netflix show. Um, and I wake up only to receive a phone call from my mother be on time. <laughs> then next, I'll you know, take a shower, I'll watch some TV, uh, I'm a big news junkie. The next text message received, I told you to be on time. <laughs> uh, and then like my normal self, I will uh, then get up and get dressed and uh, I'll walk into the door and I'll smell my mother's sweet potato pie. She'll have some hummingbird cake. Hopefully today she'll have some strawberry cake as well. Uh, she'll have dressing. She'll have mustard and collard greens, turnip greens. She'll have uh, broccoli and cheese, chicken casserole. And so I'm a practicing uh, pescatarian. So I'll, during the year, I only eat uh, fish. Uh, but I won't be practicing today because uh, <laughs> uh, I do not want to displease my mother. Um, and, but this time is about love. It's about peace, it's about joy, it's about gratefulness. Uh, but today, I want to shy away from a traditional Thanksgiving Day message. Uh, today's thought is a demonstration of the giving in Thanksgiving. A demonstration of the giving in Thanksgiving. Many times in life, we are always thankful. We're thankful for the blessings that we are afforded. We are grateful for breath of life. We are grateful for health. We're grateful for peace. We're grateful for wealth. We're grateful for a job. We are just grateful for the things that we receive, or in plainer terms, the things that we get. And so we all, it's easy to say, thank you. If you were raised in a good household, you knew one thing you had to say was, thank you. But when we have a true demonstration of the giving in thanksgiving, a thought, a scripture comes to mind. And that is Isaiah 1, verse 17. And it, while it is a very simple but yet complex verse that we will dive in today, I think it's something that's truly a demonstration of the giving of thanksgiving. And that scripture, Isaiah 1, 17, merely states, Learn to do good. Seek justice. 
Rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead to the widow. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead to the widow. We find ourselves today in this first chapter of Isaiah. If you know many things about Isaiah, Isaiah is one of the great prophets. His word merely means uh, Lord is salvation. Just as simple as Lord means salvation to Joshua. And Isaiah is a great prophet. He is someone that foretells what is to come and what is to pass. And one of the great things about Isaiah that we love about him is that many of the things that he foretold happened in his lifetime. We were able to see that Hezekiah would be healed from his critical illness. When he thought he was at the brink of death, he would get granted another 15 years of life. Isaiah foretold us that this Persian king by the name of Cyrus would be the deliverer of the children of Israel out of the Babylonian captivity. This man knew what he was talking about. But when you understand Isaiah is to understand even in the very first verse, he is the son of Amos, but he served under four kings. Uriah, Ahaz, Jotham, and most certainly Hezekiah. He served during a period of a divided kingdom. Divided, not united. He served during a period of idolatry, a period of wasteful, wasteful spiritualism. He served in a period of where people weren't worried about the things that they needed to be worried about. Does it sound familiar to you? A divided kingdom, a divided nation. We're focused on things that aren't need, need to be focused on, idolatry, wasteful spiritualism. Isaiah had a vision to share with us. And if you walk through chapter one, which I will not do today because I've been told I generally only do 20 minutes, but I need to do about 12 today. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good for a Baptist to do 20 minutes. <laughs> But as you walk through chapter one, we understand that this vision, Clark, is a courtroom. And our God is the Lord. He's the plaintiff. And he's sharing his discontent to the children of Israel because they have been a rebellious child. He walks through how they have been rebellious because of a lack of obedience. And so now we understand that our God is not only the judge, but he's also the lawyer. He is the plaintiff in the scene, but also we, we are the defendant. And he's merely sharing different offenses that we've all done once before because we all come short of the glory of God because we are all sinners. One day, every day, some other days, we all sin. And so now he's laying out the path of a rebellious child who has not truly been obedient. And so what God is sharing with us right now, because he understands from this period of time that Isaiah is a prophet to Judah, to understand that a period of time that he wanted to have not only prophets, but he had judges. But as we understand the book of the Lord, that sooner or later, the children of Israel got tired of having these judges and they wanted to have some shiny kings like everybody else. And while they had these different things, because we have to be careful for what we ask for, because sooner or later, God will give it to us. And we'll find out through being driven through our knees, through word and prayer, that those may not be the things that we thought we wanted from the 
present world may not be what we need in the current world or in the afterlife. So God, after he goes through this courtroom appearance and this vision that Isaiah is having that he's now sharing with us of all the wrong things that we've all done, he says, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead to the widow. Today, I have four points to share on how we all can live a life of a demonstration of giving within thanksgiving. Number one, as we are learning to do good, we must understand and enhance our practice of doing good. Oftentimes, without seeking fanfare or favor, we must enhance our practice of doing good to ensure that we do not also seek fanfare or favor. What do I mean by the practice? To learn something, you have to practice it. To learn, you have to practice. And God is merely sharing with us right now that while many times we have gotten in the business of understanding how to do bad, understanding how to do evil, but we must learn how must we do good. And many times we have to understand that when we're doing good, we should not seek fanfare or favor because we live in a world that we are trying to be seen serving rather than being serving, being seen. Why are we doing good? We're doing good because we understand the reason to say thank you. But the reason why we are blessed is to be a blessing unto others. That's the only reason is to give of ourselves to do good to others because as we do good to others, we are now creating the thanks and the giving to create the true thanksgiving. Secondly, after we understand that we must learn to do good by ensuring that we will practice the application of doing good and learning good, doing goodwill, even in doing good and as we are talking about giving, we must understand three things. We must give our support, we must give in service, and we must give in surplus. But when we give of our support, our service, and our surplus, we must be genuine in our giving. We are doing it for the right reasons, with a cheerful heart. Secondly, after we understand to learn to do good, the Bible tells us that we must seek justice. I've already shared that we are in a courtroom scene right now. But merely what God is sharing right now is to seek justice. We must increase our pursuit of justice. When we see violence in today, violence is not merely crime. There is educational violence. There is economic violence. There is equity violence that are imposed on many people in this world today. And God is sharing with us that if we truly are going to be a demonstration of the giving within the thanksgiving, that we must seek justice. We must pursue justice. And when we pursue justice, we understand when we see educational violence, economic violence, when we see equity violence, and what do we do? If we're talking and we're in a courtroom, what do you need most times? We need advocates to pursue justice. We must use our service, our support, and our surplus when we see violent acts in education and economic development or equity that are creating inequities. We must advocate for good and justice. And the only way to advocate for justice is to first understand that you must learn to do good. So when you learn to do good, you know when something is bad and it's creating an injustice. And when we see an injustice that we then pursue 
justice. Thirdly, after we understand we have to practice good acts, we know we must pursue justice. Thirdly, we must step up against the oppressor. One or a group that utilizes abuse and power against one another. How do we step up against an oppressor? We must purge the oppressor. What does oppressor mean? Oppressor merely means to crush or burden by abuse of power or authority. We have many people that are oppressed people. They are oppressed because there was a lack of us learning to do good. There was a lack of us seeking justice. There was a lack of us to understand when we saw violent acts of education, violent acts of economic development, violent acts of inequity. All we were doing was just saying thank you for the blessings that we got. But we weren't using that thank you to turn into a giving mechanism to help and learn to do good, to pursue justice, and to rebuke the oppressor. We live in a city right now that is full of potential. But for our city to truly unite, our city truly to realize its true potential, we must learn to do good. We must pursue justice. We must rebuke the oppressor. And how do we do it first? We first have to start talking to one another to even understand when people sitting right next to you may be oppressed. People that you have lunch with, people that you work alongside, that have experienced educational violence, that have experienced financial insecurities, that have experienced mental instabilities, that have experienced homelessness because of a healthcare outcome. We live in a city of great potential. But for our city to truly unite and to reach its full potential, we must learn to do good. The Lord says, when I was in prison, did you visit me? When I was sick, did you come see about me? When I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was in need of water, did you provide my thirst? These are all acts of learning to do good and seeking justice and rebuking the oppressor. But finally, we must defend the fatherless and plead for the widow. Many times when we hear this scripture, we are thinking about single mothers. Women that have lost their husband, because in this cultural context, you had to have a man. We know in this present day, you don't have to have a man. So this fatherless is a symbolism of our father. What does our father do? Our father provides a divine covering, protection, presence, perseverance for all of us. So we must defend our father for the fatherless. Those who are without a divine father by the name of Jesus Christ, who came some 42 generations ago, who came from the same tribe of Judah that this prophet foretold that this true God will come one day. But this true God by the name of Jesus, as we saw him walk this earth for 33 years, three years of great ministry that has been recorded. And what did he do? He learned to do good. He sought justice. He rebuked the oppressor. And he defended the fatherless and pleaded to the widow. And so if we truly are grateful for this Thanksgiving day, yes, let's say thank you. 
But what are we doing to truly embody the giving in thanksgiving? If we truly are the heirs to a king or from a royal priesthood, we truly are ambassadors and we are resembling who our Savior Jesus Christ is. We must all ask our questions to ourselves this question today. What good am I doing? Am I doing more than enough? There's a difference between lukewarm giving and righteous giving. Am I doing more than enough? What am I doing to seek justice when I see justice from financial insecurities, healthcare outcomes, mental instability, economic violence, education violence, and we see inequities? Or do, are we turning our head because we are comfortable because we got a nice, warm home to go home to? How are we seeking justice when we see the oppressor? And the oppressor wears many faces. And many times the oppressor may not even know he or she are the oppressor because they have not learned to do good. They have not sought justice. And what are we doing to enlighten and educate one another that we truly can defend the fatherless and plead for the widow? And this truly is an example on this Thanksgiving Day, how we can demonstrate the giving in Thanksgiving. May blessings be unto you. Amen.